This is the first time in 39 years that Pam and I have not celebrated Easter together. But there's a good reason. We've been celebrating since last Sunday because last Sunday morning, our daughter gave birth to our first grandchild. You bet. Alexander James McConnell was born at 6.59 a.m. Sunday morning, and we are just so pumped. So Pam this morning is holding Alexander in her arms in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm holding a picture in Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and, and so uh, people say that, that Xander, that will be his nickname, Xander is, uh, he looks an awful lot like me. I really don't see it, but here's his picture. I'm not sure. No, here's his picture right here. We got another one, please? There we are. Yeah. So Christy went into labor last a week ago yesterday, Saturday, and they said, the midwives and the nurses said that she was like, she's a rock star. She just went through the whole discomfort process. In fact, she was 10 centimeters dilated within a couple of hours, and they were just singing her praises, and we thought, this is great. And they said, this next part of just pushing out life is, is going to be easy compared to what you've just been through. In fact, Christy said, I don't want any pain meds. I'm going to do this without pain meds. And, and suddenly, everything slowed down, and the pain intensified, and for hours, she, she really did labor. She got to the point, finally, she said, I need pain meds, and they said, no, no, it's too late now. You're, you're there. And so I said to her later, I said, Christy, what was that like? And she said, Dad, by the time we got to that point of just pushing, and I was so exhausted. And she said it was bad. It was really, really, really bad. And she said, honestly, there were three separate times I thought I was going to die. But finally, she was able to just give all her energy and and life was delivered, and so we celebrated last Sunday. What the followers of Jesus felt on Sunday was nothing like they felt on Friday. And what they felt on Friday was what Jesus felt on Friday, and it wasn't celebration. It was death, and it was bad. It was really bad. There's probably no greater compilation of written works dealing with breaking through the bad than the book of Psalms. In fact, in these next weeks, we're going to walk you through parts of the Psalms and talk about how we break through that bad in the same way that Jesus did. And this morning, I can't think of any more appropriate Psalm for us to look at than Psalm 22, which was the very psalm that was on the lips of Jesus when he hung on a cross. This one that said and claimed that he was the promised Messiah. He was the Son of God. This one who said that he was appointed to help break us out of a bad world, out of a bad relationship, out of a bad diagnosis, out of a bad choice. And here's what we learn by watching Jesus. God's not gone, 
even when we feel he is. When our son Dustin was in second grade, he had come to the conclusion that we were ruining his life and that he could do a much better job running his life. So he told me one evening, he said, I'm going to run away from home. And he had said this before, so I thought I'd just call his bluff. So I went in to the garage and pulled out a small suitcase and brought it and handed it to him and said, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> then he surprised me. He started packing. And he packed that suitcase with that which was most valuable, which included his Nerf basketball, his basketball cards, and his Phoenix Suns jerseys. And then he walked to the door. I opened the door for him. Inside, I'm thinking, what's this kid going to do? I opened the door, and I said, would you be sure to send us a postcard? He said, maybe. He walked out into this drizzly, moonless, cold Oregon night. I shut the door, and Pam looked at me. She said, are you insane? I said, I got this, I got this. So I hurried out to the side of the house where he could not see me because I was, I was determined not to let him get outside my view or my love. He walked down the steps and down to the end of the driveway and stood there. And then he looked back as if to say, are you wanting me back? And he, he couldn't see us and we were nowhere to be seen. He stood there for a few more moments, and finally he turned around and started back up the driveway, so I ran back into the house to the front door, which I had locked. <laughs> so he had to ring the doorbell. I opened it and said, yes, can I help you? He said, I will run away later. I want to propose to you this morning that somewhere down at the base of that driveway, he felt completely abandoned. He could not see us, and he could not feel our love. I later asked him, I said, what were you feeling out there? What was it like? He said, it was cold, it was dark, and I felt alone. Listen to the words of Jesus as he speaks the words of Psalm 22, as he hangs on the cross. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? What he's feeling then is contextualized by the psalmist, and he goes on and says, why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. This is the awful awful reality of the cross. Jesus is cut off from God. Now, here's the awesome reality of the cross, that Jesus at that moment is carrying on himself every one of us who has walked to the end of the driveway, every one of us who has said, God, you're ruining my life. I can run my life better. And he's feeling what we feel at that moment. Jesus is feeling it's cold, it's dark, and I'm alone. But what Jesus is feeling is not what Jesus is understanding, and those are two separate things. For the psalmist declares to us what it is that Jesus understands. For he says in Psalm 22, 3, 
Yet you are enthroned as a holy one. You are the praise of Israel. And you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. How many times did Israel abandon God and then feel abandoned by God? Too many times. Yet David in this psalm says, we understand, we have come to this understanding that though we feel that way, he is still holy. He is still literally other. He is other than what we are feeling. There's something much deeper than what my feelings are. What I'm feeling, what I feel may not be real. So I counted them. I counted them this week 133 times. In the Psalms, God is described as steadfast love. The word actually means committed, not letting go, tenacious. That's why he said, in you, our fathers put their trust in you, and you were still there, even though they had messed up. They cried out, and you showed up. I can cry out to you, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? But still, you are there. You have not let me go. That when the diagnosis comes in, and it's so horrible, it's so bad, you are still there. When the relationship is breaking down, when the, when the divorce settlement is through and I feel so alone, you are still there. When I feel abuse, you're still there. And when I make some really bad choices and I mess up horribly, you are still there. At the moment that Jesus despairs of God, he also knows this, that he cannot break free from God. Later on, the psalmist would declare this in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, if I get, if I get up by the moon, if I go to Mars, you are there. If I make my place in the depths, really, literally, if I put myself in the place of the dead, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far, seat of the, the far side of the sea, if, if I travel by the speed of light and I end up on Malachi, you are still there. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will be not dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is light to you. You see, God is never cold, he is never dark, and he's never alone because his very nature is that of the warmth of love, the light of life, and the presence of the Almighty. So that when we walk to the end of our driveway and we say, God, I feel so abandoned, please understand that he has not released us from his love or from his sight. And therefore, we can break bad because we can't break free. We can break bad because we can't break free. In fact, I want you to say that with me. We can't break bad because we can't break free. Say it with me. We can break bad because we can't break free. Say it again. We can break bad because we can't break free. We can't break free from God. That's why Jesus would say, why have you abandoned me? And then he would say, but into your hands I commit my spirit. Because I still understand you are here. And whatever that bad is that you face right now that makes life cold, makes it dark, you feel alone, God has orchestrated a way for you to come back home and he's already planned for your arrival. But it takes faith. 
Because you can say, I feel abandoned, but you also need to come to the place by faith. You say, but this I do understand. I can't break free from you. There's a thief on Jesus' right as Jesus is being executed. And he feels death. And yet he sees something over here to his left. He thinks there's something real. There's something lively here. Jesus, would you remember me? Whatever's happening with you, I want part of that thing. And Jesus says, today, today, even though you feel you're dying, today you will be with me in paradise. And at that moment, he has a choice to make. I feel death, but I'm going to believe life. It's a matter of faith. That when you at this moment feel I feel so abandoned. There is also this thing you must say, you must understand, yet he is holy. He is still right there. He has pursued me. I cannot get out of his sight or out of his love. Jesus had to deal with that. He's in the garden, and and he wants pain meds. He says, this cup is too much pain. Do you have something that's less pain? And God says, no, you're into it now. You you can't have anything else except the full extent of the pain. It's what it's going to take for you to give birth to life. The Scripture says that it was so intense that he, he, he sweat blood. It was so intense, he said, I am grieving unto death. Death is already climbing on me. It said that the grief was so much, the pain was so much that he was totally exhausted. Yet he says this. Now, my will. My pain says I need to stop, but I understand you got control, so I'm going to yield to your control. And it only intensified. If today you would go home and read Psalm 22, you will find out that centuries before it ever happened, they described what Jesus would feel. That his strength would ebb from his body. That he would have this horrific thirst. He said, they pierced my hands and they pierced my feet. They shamed me. They hung me there and they looked upon me in my nakedness. They took my clothes and then they divided them among themselves and then they cast lots for my, for, for my robe. And he felt that pain. God allowed humanity to go to the very end in running away from him. For in doing so, Jesus became the ultimate embodiment of the love of God so that he could carry the totality of our rebellion and evil on himself. That not one of us has done something so evil that Jesus did not carry it. He waited till all of the evil that would ever be had been placed upon him. Every one of us, no matter how far we've run from him, all of that running was placed on him at that moment. Because God did not want to give up on us. It was placed on him so that we could break free from it. You say, but you don't understand the bad I'm in. I can't break free from this. The bad has me. It's it's tough, and and I'm at the end, and there's nowhere I can go. And, and, And the conclusion has come, and I'm stuck with the badness of life. Look, the disciples and the followers of Jesus were so convinced that it was over and that it was so, so bad that the men hid and the women waited till Sunday morning to come finish the burial process. 
but at the extreme moments of our worst, God's love still has a plan to get us home. At the extreme moment of the worst you feel today, God still has a plan for you. And in the moment that he finally gave it all, and all the bad of life had been placed on him, at that moment, he delivered life. For Luke records, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes, and the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be trade into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. The angel said, hey, he's got a plan. Don't you remember he's got a plan? And that even death cannot stop his plan. There is no amount of bad that can stop his plan. That God has a plan even when you think there is none. So you think you've come to the end. You, you think that there is no further solution for your issue. You are already burying your hope. Bad is one. With Jesus, you can break bad. Because bad threw out at Jesus its ultimate weapon, which is death, and even death could not stop his plan or his love for us. And the psalmist describes what that plan is. Psalm 22, 25 says this, From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied, and they who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live what? Forever. The fulfilling of the vow that is mentioned there is actually the vow of, of a sacrifice called a peace offering. It is a thanks offering to God because a relationship with the Almighty has found its restoration, that sins have been forgiven and that there is now a restored relationship with God and all that He is now becomes part of, the, of their life because of His covenant with them. And so what they would do is that they would take part of that, that sacrifice that had been placed upon the altar, part of that cooked meat, and they would bring it back and they would sit at a table and they would invite family and friends and they would have a party. They would have a celebration. There would be good food. There would be plenty of drink. There would be dancing and there would be the singing of praise, the singing of hymns, of songs of worship. Who was invited? Just family and friends? Well, in this case, even the poor, who in our context today are the marginalized, are the people who don't feel they're worthy of it, the people who feel that it's cold, that it's dark, and that you are alone. They are invited. And how long are we invited for? May your heart live forever. You are invited forever. That what we have described here is absolute resurrection life. See, Easter is more than family gatherings and it's more than hidden Easter eggs and chocolate bunnies. 
Easter is learning how to use his power to break bad. You say, I, I, I don't feel like I'm at a party. I don't feel like I'm part of this, this resurrection life. I don't feel that in my life. Well, let me tell you how life changes. Cha life changes this way. Please understand this. This is how life changes for us. It's, it's more than an emotion. It's more than just a, a, a decision and then we're done. My daughter, Christy, didn't understand what it was to be a mother until she became one. Because up to that point, she was a genius when it came to that. This week, she said, oh, please help. And Pam's there. She's been calling help. Baby's looks dehydrated. What do I do? And I'm having troubles with this. And, and Pam's been cooking. And, and they're exhausted. They're not sleeping. And so Pam is doing all the stuff. And, and, but they, they thought they had it together before they had a child. Wait till they try to raise that kid. You become real idiots at that point. You don't know that you don't know how to be a mom until you become one. I didn't know what it was like to be married till I got hitched. And after 39 years, I'm starting to get an idea. <laughs> you don't know what it's like to teach in the public school system until you actually are there teaching. Life. Life doesn't come to us in obvious opportunities. Nothing in life is obvious immediately. It, it grows on us. We learn about it. So we don't understand this resurrection life immediately. We walk by faith and we let it grow on us. And so today, this declaration of resurrection is only a declaration that there is a whole life we're learning to live and that it has to grow on us. And sometimes we have to say, my God, I feel abandoned, but this I do understand. You will not let me go. I'm going to ask Natasha to join me on stage. Everybody say, hi, Natasha. Hi, Natasha. Happy Easter, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. So, Natasha, we've had some conversation, and Nicole Schreiber's been spending a lot of time with you, and she's shared a little bit with me about your story. So I have some questions for you. In coming to faith in Jesus, what were some of the inaccuracies that came your way that just really stymied you in your relationship with Jesus? Well, um, I'm going to go back to a couple years ago in 2012. Um, I believed God wasn't there for a very long time because I had lost my father. He was a soldier, and he went over to Afghanistan. And I didn't get to say goodbye to him. I chose to go celebrate my mother's wedding instead because I had seen him off so many times, and I never thought for an instant I wouldn't see him come home. And I never heard from him again. I went to his funeral, and Westboro Baptist Church was there and picketed the funeral, telling me that, you know, telling everyone that God had killed my father for many reasons because of this war, because of many other things that didn't even have to do with the war, and it was really hurtful. And I lost a lot of faith that day. And continuing into college, I had a roommate who also said, you know, I got really sick. I was diagnosed with uh, stage 2 lymphoma. And she told me it was because the same reason my father was killed, that God hated me and I had to make up for my parents' sin and then my own before I could even think about getting better. And that was a hard time on me, and I, I lost sight of God. I was that kid at the end of the driveway yeah. 
I was that kid at the end of the driveway. I didn't know if he even existed anymore, if he was ever there, or if it was just something I concocted in my mind. So what has transpired since then that has brought you to a stronger relationship with Jesus? A group of people from Chi Alpha, mainly two people, but the whole entire group of people. And, and let me just pause and say, Chi Alpha is a gathering of students uh, locally here in the Edinburgh campus. Right, and they're here with me today in the third or fourth queue back. <clears throat> they are a wonderful group of people, and I wouldn't be here today without them. I don't even know if I'd be alive without them. And I met Ben, his name's Ben, and he was doing a small group where we were just talking about Jesus and invited me in. And Why did was, you go? I don't know. That's the best part. I have no idea. And I, I've come up with an illusion almost that Jesus is standing there with a fishing pole and I was just this fish. And Ben was like this real. And Ben was like, you should come to Chi Alpha. I promise we're not the bad people here. We're going we're gonna to love you and we're not going to hate you. We're not going to pick at you. You may be scared to go into a church. This is the first time I've been in a church for years. Wow. I've been scared to come to a church. Yeah. So, it's okay. Sometimes they scare me too. So, And every time Ben said, you should just come here, it was like he was winding me closer. He was that fishing reel bringing me closer. And eventually, you know, it brought me to Chi Alpha, but it brought me to Jesus. And I reacquainted myself with him. And it was a good, it, it was a good feeling. It was a whole feeling. So in all of this, you get hit with some bad. Yeah. I, what, what's the bad? Well, the bad now you know, is, is this cancer. It was, it was really bad for me. And I found out just yesterday night when I was at the hospital that I'm now in remission. But that's, the battle's not over yet. It's yeah. still, it still hurts. The battle's not over yet, but I'm getting there. So, so what's cool about the story is we knew that, that this, this last week, we knew that we were going to spend some time talking with Natasha this morning, but we didn't know till this morning that she's in remission. We just thought she's going to stand before you and say, I'm still battling this thing, but that, that on one side, I've got this, this, this fear, this bad thing happening. This is what I feel. But on the other side, I've got this thing about Jesus, I'm, and I'm trying to, to, to grab hold of this. So what makes this Easter different than all the other Easter's? This Easter is different because I realize I'm not alone, and I don't have to die. Six months ago, I was told I had to make the choice to live or to die. And I thought that I needed to die. But this Easter is different because not only do I have those wonderful people here with me that will stand by me no matter what, but they're bringing me close to Jesus. And I know Jesus died for me, so I don't have to die. And I can spend this Easter loving him and praising him. Thank you. Thanks so much. So the band is coming, and we're going to celebrate some more in just a moment, but here's what I want to declare. And by the way, folks, that's Ben right there, the guy that reeled her in. See, Easter is not our time to declare that life is perfect. It's not. In fact, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there. You'll ruin it. It's time to declare that even... Even in our dark moment, even in our cold feelings, even in our aloneness, God is inviting us to the party. And we're celebrating that bad has given way to life. 
a life that lasts forever. And so the psalmist goes on to say this, All of the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. He says the party is going to continue until it covers the entire earth. For the dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. That's why we break bad. That's why we get through this is because Jesus has dominion. Jesus has lordship. Jesus has overcome everything that is evil and bad. Jesus has risen from the grave. Jesus is alive. And because he's alive... We can break bad. So here's the deal. We're going to continue to celebrate. We're going to wrap up the celebration with a statement of faith. In just a moment, I'm going to have you stand, and we're going to declare this, the old orthodox de declaration that never grows old. I'm going to declare to you Christ is risen, and you're going to say Christ is risen indeed, and we're going to do that three times. Now, when we declare it this time, I want you to declare it for yourself. When I say Christ is risen and you say Christ is risen indeed, I want you to say Christ is risen indeed in me that I may be feeling that I'm abandoned, but I'm going to begin to declare that I understand that God has not let go of me. He's in pursuit of me, and I'm invited to the party, and I'm hanging on to him. That will be your declaration. And then when we, after we've declared this, the band's going to lead us in one more song of declaration of our faith, and we're going to party. So would you stand? Are you ready? Turn to the person next to you and say, you better yell loud. <laughs> I want you guys to yell so loud that you spin Pastor Jason's bow tie. You ready? <laughs> Here we go. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen! Guys, got a shout left of victory in you. Here we go. All right, here we go. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in his name. Thanks be to God who always causes us to win. Yeah. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in his name. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. We have overcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have
So there are some of you in this place who feel like you're at the end of the driveway. You feel like there's no hope, there's no way, this is the end, bad is won. You can't escape God. He's after you and, and, and you think, well, you know, when I get to, if I, if I turn around and go back, the door will be locked. See, I'm not much like God, I lock the door. In fact, I want to tell you this, that you don't have to get to the door and see if he'll open it. Scripture says he's at your door. It says he's at your door and he's knocking, and if you open it, he will take you home with him. And you get to spend forever. It says you will have fellowship with him. You'll have a meal with him. You will have this, this wonderful peace meal with him, this, this, peace thanks, this Thanksgiving meal where you celebrate together forever because you're invited to the party, and he's come to invite you personally. Some of you, it's time to come back home. Easter's more than just a celebration for you today. It's time for you to come back home and let him work out all the bad out of your life. So we, we can't let you go from here today. We can't leave here today without giving each of us an opportunity to come back home. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to turn to the person next to you. And you may not know them, but you greeted each other earlier. So, and we're community. We're family here. I just want you to turn to the person next to you and just say, would you like to come home to Jesus? And if that's you, say, yeah. If that's the case, say, yeah. And then I'm going to invite you and the person who invited you to come and just stand here with me, and we're going to have a prayer together. We're not going to single you out. We're not going to, we're not going to, to embarrass you. And, and, and see, another miracle, not only for Easter, is that Christ rose from the grave, but I'm done preaching in 1117. That, that is a miracle. So you have time to respond to this. Because Jesus went to that cross to bring you home. And today's your day for all of the bad to get loose. Because he said this, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all the stuff, all the bad, out of your life, out of your life, and help you defeat the things that have come against you. That's his promise. That resurrection power that lifted Christ from the grave, the scripture says, can be placed within you so that you can overcome anything you face. In the same way, Natasha has faced what she's faced and God is bringing her through. So whether you're on the main floor in the balcony in the galleries, you may be watching from the children's courtyard, you may be out in the lobby. I want you to turn to the person in just a moment and next to you and just say, would you like to come home to Jesus? As they say, yes, come just join me right here. We're going to have a prayer together. And, and again, we're, we're not going to keep you long. We're just, we're just going to get that cemented in your life. So if you're an introvert, introvert I apologize. But do this anyhow. So turn to the person next to you and just say, would you like to come to Jesus? Would you do that? And then just come join me here right now. That's it. Come on, talk to each other. There you go. Come on. There you go. That's it. Come on. Park right here with me. I'm a nice guy. That's a, just, just come down the steps from the, from the balconies, the galleries. If you were afraid of what we were going to do to you and didn't know if anybody else was going to show up and you see all these people coming, you, you go, I wish I'd have told them yes. Just turn to the person and say, change my mind. It's Easter. It's change my mind day. And, 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 and just come down and join us.
See, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, this is what he had in mind. Life change. And he is so happy. You know the scripture says this, that the moment you begin to put your faith in Jesus, all of heaven throws a party. And the angels are, are dancing and they're singing and, and, and they're hoping they sound as good as these guys do. And, but I, I think it's going to sound good. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray a prayer with you. And I want you to come from, from your heart. It's going to be from the scripture so it's true. And these folks out here are going to repeat it with us just to be an encouragement to you. It's, a, it's the beginning of the steps of, of letting resurrection power break the bad in our lives. So you can repeat it after me and say, Dear Jesus, I want a new life. Thank you for coming after me. So I'm putting my faith in Jesus that he died for my sins and that according to the word of God, that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me for my sins and cleanse me from all impurity. So I declare my faith in you and the forgiveness of my sins. I am clean before you, God, because of Jesus. Now I invite you to guide me in my life. Let your resurrection power flow through me so that the bad will be removed and all the best you have for me released into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's great. Now stay right here. Because this is, is, a, is a journey of learning how, in the same way that my daughter Christy had to get some help to figure out how to be a mom, and, and I had to get some help to how to figure out how to be a husband, and and you went to work at Lord Corporation, you had to figure out how to work at Lord Corporation. You got to learn how to work with the Lord here in this relationship. And we, we've got some way to, uh, ways to help you get started. We have a, a gift we want to give you that'll start you in the process. It's only going to take a few moments. The people you came with will wait for you. It'll take three or four minutes. We're going to invite you to just come up these steps in just a moment and through that door. These guys are going into the choir room and nothing weird or wacky is going to happen to you. And those people will wait for you. You can't, like, you can't get out of the parking lot anyhow, so just wait. And, and these folks will be out in just a moment. But you just go, and any questions you have, they'll take care of that, and then you'll be free to go. So, And if you can't get, get up steps and the ushers go to the back, the ushers will get you around. But if you'll head that way right now, we are so thankful for your faith in Jesus today. There you go. Let's go that way. That's it. Keep going this way. There you go. That's great. Thank you. Very cool. Very cool. So as these folks are leaving, I want to say to you that in your, in your service folder are some steps for us, whether you've been a, a follower of Jesus for 40 years or four minutes, we're always working through this process of getting the bad out and working this resurrection power in our lives. And, and there's three steps on, on living it out that I want you to follow this week. Number one is this, write down what presently is causing life to feel dark and cold or lonely. In the next couple of days, just say, this, this is the stuff that's cold and dark and lonely in my life. Write it down so you identify it. 
Number two, read Psalm 139 every day this week and meditate on how close God is and how he won't let, let you go. Meditate. It's one of our disciplines around here. Meditate and think about it. And number three, as many times as possible each day, declare that if Jesus can break through death with his power in you, you can break through the bad you face. Declare it. Because I'm going to tell you, when you declare it, even out loud, the spiritual forces that are trying to make things bad for you have to back up. So declare it around. You get up in the morning and, and yell it out and scare your family or your neighbors. But let's declare that together. Will you do that? I want to say to you, Happy Easter. And now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be blessing and glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen God bless you. Have a great Easter.